What's going on, guys? The Macho Man Maddie Savage here from the Smack Talk team. You know what time it is. We're here to talk Monday Night Raw, December 14th edition. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your go home show before the TLC pay per view, which comes to you this Sunday only on the WWE Network. But this is what we do we wrap up three hours of a show in about 10, 15 minutes. I hit you with what was important, what was not, what sucked, what was great. And man, when we look back at this episode of Monday Night Raw, the last one again before your big pay-per-view TLC, ah, a little bit of a train wreck. So let's just dive right in. First segment of the night, the nightmare before TLC. The Miz kicks off in the ring, and he's reading a story, the nightmare before TLC. And I'm not going to lie to you, this whole segment altogether, I was actually on board with. I think that uh, The Miz, obviously, he is able to take anything and run with it. He's a great actor. He's a great performer. The, the way he told the story was very well done. AJ Styles had a cameo in it. John Morrison was dressed up as Braveheart. Obviously, he was supposed to be Drew McIntyre. Moral of the story, obviously, is The Miz told the story of how AJ Styles is going to pull off the win this Sunday at TLC. And then the curveball comes at the end of the story where Miz once again teases that the Money in the Bank cash-in is going to be coming right after that. This threw off AJ Styles. Didn't really matter either way because Sheamus interrupted the segment to close it out which then led us into our next match, Sheamus versus AJ Styles. And man, again, we knew that we know what Sheamus and AJ Styles are capable of, but we knew that AJ Styles also had to get the win, and that's exactly what he did. Big win for AJ Styles heading into the pay-per-view. What um, transpired after the match is what I kind of want to talk about quickly. Styles and almost take out Sheamus. They tie up his feet to the rope somehow, and they beat the hell out of him. They beat the helly, holy hell out of him with a steel chair. And that knocks out Sheamus. So, to me, get to wondering. You just watched last week's episode of Raw. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. I mean, they're obviously friends. They had a little fight between each other backstage because of their mishaps in the tag team, uh, the three-on-two match against Miz and Morrison and AJ Styles. But... Now, fast forward to this week, Sheamus is getting his ass whooped, and your champion is nowhere to be found. Thought that was interesting. Thought that might have been a little foreshadowing again that maybe this is uh, where the Sheamus and McIntyre feud comes. It, it, it seems to me that I think it's coming sooner rather than later, and at this point, bring it on. Moving on. New Day and Jeff Hardy taking on the Hurt Business. Hurt Business gets the win. Jeff Hardy takes the loss. Uh, Riddle was at ringside. Moral of this story, again, it's Cedric Alexander. They're really pushing him as the breakout star of this faction, the Hurt Business, which, again, week after week, they keep showing me more and more why I feel like they need to have gold. And it could finally happen this Sunday at TLC. Her business again, it's Cedric and Shelton Benjamin. I remembered his name this week again. Taking on the New Day. Uh, what's going to happen? It is To me, again, 
the Hurt Business has already lost clean to the New Day twice now. To me, I think third time is going to be a charm. I think this Sunday at TLC, we will see new tag team champions. And normally I would tell you guys, hey, tune in to uh, our predictions podcast. But I gave you guys a little spoiler alert ahead of time on that. So let's talk about some interesting but yet shitty part of Raw. And again, I've been saying this week after week, I'm talking about the Raw women's division. It's in goddamn shambles. So we get Lana. We get Lana taking on Nia Jax. And man, after all the months of going through tables, Lana gets the win with a unique roll-up pin on uh, Nia Jax in the corner. So, okay, Lana gets the big payout, payoff win, you know, for all the bullshit she's dealt with. But what happens after that? Attacked by Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And, I mean, obviously, Asuka comes to make the save a little too little, too little too late. Let's keep moving here. What happens with them now? Lana is essentially getting written off of the pay-per-view tag team title match for the, uh, the women's tag titles. Again, it was supposed to be Asuka and Lana versus Baszler and Nia Jax. Now, Lana is out. What the fuck is happening here? You're finally... uh, Well, again, as a whole, I'm good with this whole thing. And what's, what's really bothering me, again, is the fact that you have so much talent and you just don't know what to do with them, so you just throw everybody into this tag team title picture right now. And it makes no sense at all. So... You're killing me with this shit, man. Now let's talk about Elias because he's back on Raw after a couple of weeks of not being there. I mean, he he lost to Jeff Hardy in the Symphony of Destruction Destruction match. Nowhere to be found last week. And he's back this week, but he's got a new bodyguard. It's Jackson Riker. After months and months of being forgotten. Get it? The Forgotten Sons, Jackson Riker. He's back, and he's Elias's bodyguard. So, what? I'm curious what everybody else out there thinks of this because, in my opinion, I I understand that Elias is a musician, and you know, I guess he needs a bodyguard. But does he really? I mean, Elias is not a small guy by any means. Let's compare this to AJ Styles and Omos. Uh, AJ Styles is, again, he's not a small guy by any means either, but he fits the bill of somebody that can work with a bodyguard. Elias with Jackson Riker, I mean, I'm going to try to give this some time, but I don't know yet. I I think I need more time to really see if this is going to amount to anything. Because if this was your promo to introduce Jackson Riker, who, again, I mean, he was on main event with Elias the week before, but nobody watches that shit. But again, where this moved to was a 24-7 segment. Again, all the 24-7 guys that they don't know what the hell to do with, that they just throw into this picture, all got their asses whooped by Riker to end the segment. And meh, I don't know about this. What else I don't know about? Man, it's got to be Keith Lee. 
He takes on the Miz and Morrison now in a handicap match. So prior to the match, Keith Lee backstage confronts the Miz and Morrison, pretty much tells them the only thing that they're going to win tonight is a coin toss. And what happens in the match? Keith Lee takes the loss. So granted, the point of a handicap match is to give that advantage to the team with two as opposed to the, the, the guy on his own. So should Miz and Morrison have won this match? 100%. That's what they did. But again, what this is showing me is that WWE, Vince McMahon, whoever is running this show has no idea what direction to put Keith Lee in. Do you guys recall when this guy first got called up from NXT when he was immediately thrust right into the WWE title picture with Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton? Man, feels like that shit was months and months ago because Keith Lee is slowly starting to become an irrelevant piece of Monday Night Raw. So you hate to see it. Hopefully they're going to fix this shit in the coming weeks for him because, I mean, he's a, he's a he, he's an athletic superstar that he, he's got it. And right now, WWE don't know how to show it. But what they do know how to show is Bray Wyatt. Man, this guy is, he is the effing show. And no, he's not Rob Van Dam. He's Bray Wyatt. Man, he, he brings out the Firefly Funhouse. Um, what the hell did he call it? The, uh, man, called it the fucking losing it, man. I don't got it. But he came out. And field trip, damn, couldn't fucking get the word field trip out of me. But anyway, field trip with the Firefly Funhouse. Okay, let's talk about how he was in the ring and the the characters were out at the barricade. And that was kind of honestly the gist of this segment. He was confronted by Randy Orton on the Titantron, who pretty much was calling him out to play a game of hide and seek. Come find me so I can basically whoop your ass. And... That was really the segment. So that segment as a whole wasn't the greatest, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, and I got to tell you, I love Bray Wyatt. I've, I've made that clear over, the, over many, many years now. And this one wasn't the best. I mean, when you, when you heard a, a field trip being promoted for Monday Night Raw, the questions obviously were arising of how are they even going to pull this off? I mean, they're puppets. And, I mean, they did the best that they could. There were some random backstage segments with The Truth, uh, R-Truth, and Huskus the Pig. But fast forward to what happens later on in the night. Bray Wyatt again looking for Randy Orton, and this is when it gets good. He finds his old chair in a room, the rocking chair, the old Bray Wyatt, and the new Bray Wyatt embraces it, takes a seat on the chair, and up from behind comes Randy Orton, beats him up a little bit, throws him into a, it wasn't a casket, but it was a wooden crate. And shades of the old Randy Orton when he lit The Undertaker on fire. Good God, he lit Bray Wyatt on fire backstage. That whole damn room lit up. And you just knew what was coming next. And you just got to appreciate Again, the fact that WWE is trying to 
let Bray Wyatt be the creative genius that he is. Because to me, I mean, this idea had to have come from him, right? So cat, the, the wooden crate lit on fire. Next thing you know, it's opened up by the fiend who drops the mandible claw on Randy Orton to end the segment. Man, there is obviously no doubt in my mind that the fiend's going to pull off the win this Sunday against Randy Orton. And you got to just love the way that that played out, to be honest. But you know what I'm not loving, guys? It's Ricochet and Mace. It's the whole retribution fucking angle, man. I'm just over it, man. Mace defeats Ricochet. I'm not going to spend much time on this, man, because Mustafa Ali's intent here is this ends when you join Retribution. So let's let's take a quick second and just say, okay, I either if I join Retribution, I am joining a stable that is failing. So how is this going to help me as a performer if I'm Ricochet? I'll tell you, it's not. Or you're just going to have Ricochet taking on every member of Retribution week after week after week and hope that Retribution just slowly just disintegrates and disappears. Man, either way, it sucks. So now let's move to Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke. No contest. This turns into uh, another beatdown. Out comes Mandy Rose to save the day with a kendo stick, mind you. So it looks like Mandy Rose is back. She's not injured. Dana Brooke, they're kind of rekindling that tag team partnership that they've had before the injury to Mandy Rose. And to me, again, what this looks like it's going to be is Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke taking on Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. After the TLC pay-per-view, right? It sucks. Man, it's terrible. But we've already talked about the Hurt Business. And then you give me Riddle versus MVP. Why? This was... I'm pretty sure this match didn't go more than a minute and a half. That was shocking to me. I mean, to see MVP take the loss that quickly... But what was the point? Honestly, I mean, earlier in the night, you already had Riddle out there supporting uh, Jeff Hardy and that match in the New Day against the the Hurt Business. But oh, this you could have just left this out is basically the point of it. So then it comes to our main event, guys: the WWE Championship Ascension Ceremony. A little different, you know. They they. Out is uh, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, almost Tom Tom Phillips in the ring. Point of this is you're putting the the title belt, hanging it, lifting it up. It's ascending. Here we go. Woo! It's it's. I'll give him credit. You know, it's it was different. It wasn't your tra- traditional contract signing before the pay per view, but nonetheless, what happens from here? AJ Styles, again, who's been working alongside Miz and Morrison. They come, they attack McIntyre from behind. McIntyre overcoming the odds because he's the babyface, of course, right? Not necessarily. He he hits a Claymore kick on the Miz and the and Morrison, who had a ladder in hand, knocks them out of the out of the equation, but then couldn't overcome the odds. AJ Styles, with the help again of almost distracting McIntyre, takes out 
McIntyre's leg, puts his ass through a table, climbs the ladder, and holds up the title to close out the show. Typical classic WWE booking. You've got the heel getting over right before the pay-per-view. So typically what happens here, the babyface is going to overcome the odds at the pay-per-view. Um, that's my guess, honestly, on probably what's going to happen. But again, the big factor is always going to be The Miz as long as he holds that Money in the Bank briefcase. So whether or not it's successful or not, the, the title defense, that is, at the pay-per-view remains to be seen. Whether The Miz is going to actually finally cash in his Money in the Bank contract or not, that remains to be seen. Guys, this is why we watch. This episode of Raw before TLC was even worse than the one I watched last week, and the ratings came in. All-time low viewership for WWE Raw. Boy, that's got to shake up the shit backstage, man. And what better timing than to start fresh next Monday right after the pay-per-view? Could this mean we're going to see some changes to what they initially had for plans for the pay-per-view? That remains to be seen. But at the end of the day, this company has AEW on its back. And I know it's not on the same night, but if they don't change something, I mean, we just had a draft a couple months ago and your ratings are tanking even worse than they were when this whole COVID pandemic first started. So WWE, Monday Night Raw, you've got a lot of work to do for the simple fact that the main reason I'm tuning in every Monday right now, one, it's Monday night, I got to watch. But number two, it's Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is still on SmackDown right now. I can't even imagine what these ratings would look like. But again, this is why we watch. This is why I give you a breakdown of three hours and 15 minutes because if you didn't watch it, it probably wasn't worth your time, but it is worth your time to listen to me give you a quick recap and a rundown of Monday Night Raw. So thank you guys again for tuning in as always. I'm the Macho Man, Maddie Savage. I'll see y'all next week.